0: Welcome to Atomic Moms, a modern parenting podcast about the joys and complexities of caring for our children and ourselves. I'm Ellie Noss, and since 2014, we've been celebrating and commiserating with world-class experts, best-selling authors, and moms around the world. Hello, everyone. Oh, I'm, I'm really excited. Is excited a filler word? it's not a filler word in my life. I get excited. My mom likes to say I'm anx- like she's anxious for something, which when someone says they're anxious for something it makes me anxious. But I am. I'm genuinely excited to be sharing uh this conversation with you all. We'll be hearing from Lauren Smith Brody. She is the founder of the 5th Trimester Movement and the author of The 5th Trimester, The Working Mom's Guide to Style, Sanity, and Success After Baby. On their website, it describes it as a no BS guide that helps moms cope with the demands of the real world after the baby arrives. I really enjoyed my conversation with Lauren. We talk about the ways in which we are better equipped to be badasses at work after we've had children, even though we might feel vulnerable and spread thin and exhausted, she's going to give us the pep talk we need to know that that we have within us what we need to move forward. We also talk about postpartum mood disorder, and we talk about family leave and how to convince your boss to get more flexible with your hours. And we also talk about the gender pay gap as it relates to being a mama, along with many other things. So in the book, one really funny moment, because Lauren's background is actually as an editor of Glamour. So we talk about these serious subjects, but also she has all these like fun tidbits in the book. And one part I loved is where she says, find your spirit celebrity. And you know, like find your spirit animal, but find your spirit celebrity and for me, my spirit celebrity is Kate Baldwin, who this past week started up at CNN again. She took three months off from maternity leave with her second daughter. Some of you all, when joining our little private Facebook group, um, one of the questions is like, what was your favorite episode? And quite a few times, mamas have said that, that episode with Kate Baldwin. So this week, when I got to watch her, her first moments back, on television. It was so funny because I was holding Eliza and Eliza's been waking about 5.30 a.m. and I was totally delirious by the time Kate was on and it's like breaking news. And I was like, yeah, it's breaking news. Like, Kate is back. And then I'm like, yay! Because I think there's going to be some, like, a, a real welcome back and instead she's just like right back in the zone. Yay! Yay! It's breaking news. Kate's
1: back! Hello, everyone. I'm Kate Baldwin. The horrific attack and the oh. president's response
0: because there had been those, you know, horrific chemical attacks in Syria. Man, what a transition for her. So we're going to talk about that right now. Um I'm going to give her a call. Let's hear what she's up to. Hello. Hi Kate. <laughs> Hi. Hi. Hi, hi, hi. Okay, you have to tell us about your first day back at work. What was it like? Was it total culture shock? Like a little bit of everything. And I think
1: that it was the same way the first time around. It was like, I can't believe I'm here. I can't believe I have to sit in my office and turn on a breast pump right now. And now I've got to get on TV. And, you know, it's like a mishmash of everything. I mean, it's honestly, it's only Thursday. And I actually can't even remember what Monday was like and getting back to work—that's how crazy this week has been. But you know, it started exactly how any mom would maybe hope or not hope and expect it to. With Cecilia, our oldest, who is an amazing sleeper, as you know, deciding that that's the night that she's going to come into her room at one o'clock in the morning and say she can't sleep. What did you do? What? What else do you do? You beg, you plead. Aren't you so sleepy? And then you and then you give in and just let her get in bed with you. You and know what I would you do? In the back.
0: I'd, I'd be like Michael. You're gonna go sleep in the in the twin bed with Cece.
1: <laughs> so she was. She did the classic. Like I'm gonna sleep. I'll be really good, Mom. I'll be really good. And then goes horizontal and, like, is making us into, like, the letter H in bed. And so she's kicking both of us. And then Michael's like, all right, I got this. And he just carries her and goes into the other room for, like, an
0: hour. Oh, but only an hour. This is why I have a podcast, because I am so vain (laughs) that I couldn't have a relationship with my children if I had to be on television. This I just would have been like, I need my TV face. Like, stop. (laughs) honestly. It, it kind of, I was, I ended up laughing because it kind of
1: sums up it all, right? We have these ideas. I had this idea. I was going to go to bed early. I was going to get a great night's sleep. I was going to get up. I was going to go to work. It's going to be fine. And this is what kids do. They decide that it's, you just have to go with it, right? Because yep. they decide, no, this is not how it's going to go, mom. This is, it's going to go totally haywire and you just need to go with it. So it actually kind of in a very twisted, weird way set me up perfectly to come back which was just like I'm going to smile, I'm going to laugh. I'm just going to get through this and it helped out a lot in getting back.
0: Do you have any t- do you have any tips for moms going back to work? Like give me like what about your scheduling? How do you deal with this? Cuz now you have two shows. What is going on, well, Kate? Let me
1: just put it this way. I am scheduling other than we all need to become um a character in Harry Potter and figure out how to get more hours in our day, I am no help. There is no this this is the most obvious piece of piece of advice or thing that I realized in my, you know, whatever 72 hours back at work or is that the day is still 24 hours. You still have to deal with yourself and work and a child, and now I'm adding another child into it. It's just like, you know, and there's no more time in the day to deal with it. So you thought life was busy before, good luck. And I have not figured it out yet. Other than like, I forgot to brush my teeth on Tuesday and came into work without brushing my teeth, that kind of thing. So there's that's how I, I'm figuring it out. I'm just forgetting personal hygiene. Maybe that's how to figure, figure it out. But I was thinking, because I am clearly an expert because I have had a child now and two, and they're still alive, which is wonderful. I've kept them alive. Um, I've got three pieces of advice. Okay. Yeah. And you probably already, I'm probably going to give them and you've actually been the one that gave them to me. So just pretend like you didn't give me these pieces of advice. (laughs) Um, One thing that worked for me really um, quite a lot this time is, and this actually, my husband came up with this idea is I came in, I started work on Monday. I came in on Sunday and went into my office, logged into my computer, dropped off all my pump stuff, kind of like sat in my chair. And then come Monday morning, I felt like I could hit the ground running a little bit better. I wasn't kind of fumbling, like, "Where's where do I plug my pump in? What am I going to do? And so it was all kind of here. And so I felt like it was really set up. If it's possible, I think that's a really – it's really quite helpful that I came in and kind of set everything up beforehand. So that was helpful. Do a test.
0: Run. Um, Got it. Do a little – yeah, a little test
1: drive. I also – spent, like, about two weeks before I came back, every once in a while, I just mentioned to Cecilia about, oh, you know, when mommy goes back to work, you're going to get to, you know, your aunt, you know, you're going to get to do this by yourself. And when mommy goes back to work, I'm going to come home right about now to come have dinner with you. So I started kind of having this conversation with her about me going back to work and trying to do it all in a, and doing it all in a happy tone. Like, Cecilia, you know how you're going to go, you, you go to school mommy's going to go back to work soon. And that means we both can come home together and talk about our favorite things that day. And it's, she hasn't, other than waking me up on that, on that morning, she's been really cool about it. These past three, these past three, four days. So I think that's helped in the transition. We'll see, you know, until she spray paints the wall. But this one, I wished I had, someone had told me when I came back from maternity leave the first time, because this I figured out really bothered me and I couldn't figure it out, which was, it's a simple truth your your life has completely changed right you've had either your first child second child third, fourth, third or fourth child or more if you're that lucky your life has completely changed and in the amount of time that you've been gone you're coming back to work and remember that no one else's life at work has changed the same the colleague that is awesome is still going to be awesome the colleague that is still a huge pain in the butt is still going to be a huge pain in the butt it's all still here, and you're just the you're just the one that's changed. And when I realized that coming back, it really it, it's a it's like a mindset. It really helped. It's like you've changed, but everything else has stayed the same.
0: <laughs> Ah, And the reason I also had to call you because, you know, I was cheering for you your first day back. I was so excited to finally have you on my television again. This is your maternity leave has been very hard on me, Kate, because the world (laughs) is coming to an end. And if the world is going to crumble all around me, then I want Kate Baldwin giving me that information. I need you it, to be the one holding my hand through the television screen to tell me about oh, all the awfulness that is happening.
1: Well, I, that honestly was... We had all, we had big plans for kind of this funny... It actually, was going to be like a funny way we started the show back. Like, I've been gone for three months, and this is everything that's happened since I've been gone, all the headlines. Um, and then, you know, real news happened, and it was a really rough day, you know, have, yeah. reporting on a chemical attack in Syria. And so it was also another experience of like, another experience of, it's not about you, Kate, it's about, it's about, it's about something bigger than you, which we are reminded constantly as parents of that. And so that I think is also helped because it was such a busy day. There was no, there was not a moment to think about myself because appropriately I was thinking about, you know, what I had to do and the job I had to do and the very tough story we had to talk about. And so you just, you know, you get right back in it and you just do it. So it was, it's been a, yeah, that was, that was uh, quite a day to come back.
0: What are you going to do to reconnect with little baby Delphine when you have a moment this weekend?
1: When I have a moment this weekend, um, well, due to my schedule, I can, I'm, she's, um, I'm never home for any of her feeds anymore, which is the one, Thing I'm really struggling with because I do love my breastfeeding moments with her so I'm hoping she hasn't totally given up on the breastfeeding so it's and I will I would love to not have to pump so much this weekend so mm-hmm. I'm hoping to have an actual quiet moment for one of her feeds this this weekend that is my hope and a prayer but you know every hope and prayer I have is going to go out the window because then Cecilia will come and hit me in the head with a stuffed animal and you know <laughs> Definitely. That'll go right out the window. But that's that's my biggest open prayer.
0: Thank you so much for doing this introduction with me, Kate. Thank you for going back to work. I need you.
1: <laughs> Give your girls a kiss for me. I love you.
0: Okay, listeners, uh, don't forget to subscribe on iTunes. Join us on social media at Atomic Moms. I will be right back with Lauren Smith Brody, the author of The Fifth Trimester. Oh, my goodness. Lauren Smith Brody, thank you so much for coming on Atomic Moms. I want to say just right off the bat that I feel like I'm your field reporter covering <laughs> this book from the front lines. Uh, thank I you. <laughs> am in the fifth trimester, and holy hell, oh, my God, am I ever. Uh, before sitting down to call you Oh, I could hear my little eight-month-old crying in the house because she's on day two with a new caregiver so I can work on the oh, podcast. God. And oh, my gosh, just hearing that crying. It's so rough. So uh, first of all, I want to say thank you for writing this Working Mom's Guide to Style, Sanity, and Success After Baby. I want to say thank you for writing it in such a, a clear, decisive way where there's like, you know— I love sort of the bullet points. You make it really easy for a sleep deprived mother to get through it. It's also really, really fun. Like it's when you don't have any time and you're stressed out, like picking up a book, you want it to be like a fun escape. And I love your voice in this book because it feels like a girlfriend, or like a really like juicy magazine article, like you can kind of fantasize that you're reading this by the oh, pool, thanks. even though it has like <laughs> really important information. So, okay, I've got my gushing over with, uh, <laughs> but I want to bring our listeners up to speed. So, Lauren, at this point, I'm sure you're sick of answering this question, but what is the fifth trimester?
2: Well, that is the best first question to ask, and I wish you could see me sitting here just nodding my head at my computer screen, looking at your picture on Skype. Um, Thank you for all of that. And you have you have absolutely all of my empathy. And um essentially I, I I wrote the book and I should I almost like to say I researched the book more than I wrote the book because yes, I wrote it, but that was the easy part. It was really interviewing all these moms from different work backgrounds, different careers, different approaches to motherhood, um, that really was at that is at the heart of it. But through them I feel like I've been able to put together what I wish I had had in that moment myself, which is just this massive collective working mom mentor. I don't have all the answers at all, but collectively I'm convinced now that we really, we really all do. And there's something just born um, in motherhood um, or at least um, furthered in motherhood, um, just this the sense of wanting to nurture not just your baby but also the other women around you, and it's a really um, it's a really useful thing for society, and it is also something that I think we can um, we can use to fuel ourselves in a moment in our careers when we may not feel. Like we're sure of everything. One thing we're sure of is we know we can help other moms. And that is a really validating and confidence-inspiring thing. Um, So all that aside, what is the fifth trimester? So the fifth trimester is when the working mom is born, tagline. Um, (laughs) So it is, you know, you know, obviously what the first three trimesters are. And um, the fourth trimester, I only learned about when I was um, in it with my um, first son, Will, who is now nine years old. And he was a fussy baby. Um, I thought he was perfect and the problem was me. But no, actually, now that I've had two, um, I know that my mom was right. He was a fussy baby. Um, And I was really lucky that a friend gave me um, The Happiest Baby on the Block, the Harvey Karp book that um, explained the idea of the fourth trimester. He's an
0: Atomic Moms guest as well. Oh, good. (laughs) (laughs) Continue.
2: So he really helped me a lot, and he's helped millions and millions of parents. Um, So his idea is that Um, human babies are essentially born a whole trimester before they're ready to be um, because of the size of the mother's pelvis and the um, skull of the baby because the Human, human babies have big brains. Um, so anyway, so to, to soothe a newborn baby, you recreate the feeling of the womb with shushing and swaddling, et cetera, et cetera. And that was all incredibly helpful to me. But as I read his book um, and used his advice, he kept saying, you know, just get to 12 weeks, get to 12 weeks and your baby will wake up to the world and will give something back to you and will essentially be the real baby that I thought I was getting when I gave birth. And I, the irony of that, um, was really hard to swallow for me because I knew at 12 weeks I'd be going back to work. And I actually knew also, even in that moment that I had more, um, maternity leave and better circumstances and more support, supported circumstances than most women in America. And yet I struggled. So I went back to work, um, I'm a very just, I mean, I wrote a book. I'm, I'm an open book. I'm um, <laughs> a very open open and honest person. And I just couldn't help but um, kind of struggle openly. Now, I did this from a position of management. I was kind of mid, mid-tier mid management at that point, And Um, I had had some proven successes in my career, so I could probably go a little further maybe than most women could, um, in exposing some of what was hard about motherhood. But in doing so, I ended up finding a whole new meaning in the work I was doing. Um, colleagues would come to me and say, thank you for being so open about this because you're still someone I look up to. You're still someone who's a mentor. I want to, I want to have a career like yours one day. And yet you're showing me what needs to be fixed and how hard it is. And that I'm going to get through this one day too. So fast forward through another kid another pregnancy, um, you know, a few more years of career. And I realized that I wanted to actually go and make this um, a whole, a whole project. And so I, I wanted to write a book. I had the idea of this term, the fifth trimester, that there was this whole other, Finite trimester of development that happens for mom, um, but I, I I knew that I couldn't do it only from my own vantage point. Um, my position was one of of some privilege, you know. I was sitting in a magazine office in the middle of New York City with a supportive spouse, enough money in the bank that I could take some of my weeks unpaid, um, and that's not necessarily typical. So I did a lot of research. I did a huge um, national survey that reached more than seven hundred moms. I did deeper interviews with a hundred more. I did another survey of dads and partners. And I was able to start connecting the dots of people's experiences to see, you know, um, what, what helps, what is going to get us through this transition back to work, knowing that in America right now, it happens, um, before most women are physically and emotionally ready to go back to work. You're there. So you're there. How are you going to stay in and make change from within? First of all, just be able to stay in your career and keep pulling in a paycheck and keep advancing your career and kind of get the sense of identity that comes from that. Um, But also, now that you're there, how are you going to do it in a way that is going to ultimately make things better in a culture that is not supportive enough of new parents? And I've talked way too long, but that is essentially the genesis of this whole fifth trimester project.
0: Okay. So Lauren, I'm going to set the scene. (laughs) Okay, let's pretend we're with a new mom and it's her first day back at work. Okay. She's in the bathroom and she's doing (laughs) that like look in the mirror thing. Oh god, yeah. And she's feeling (laughs) scared and unprepared. Okay, what do we say, Lauren? Like how do we give that mom like a bathroom mirror pep talk?
2: Oh, that she I love needs. That.
0: So, and moms, you can sure. play this part of the episode, like your first day back <laughs> at work. <laughs> you can listen to it in the car on your way there. Like, we're here for you. Uh, let's give that mom the pep talk. W- how was she prepared in ways that she never could have imagined when she went on maternity leave? Like, how I- has she changed?
2: I love this question because these are things that I did not internalize and I didn't know when I was the woman looking in the mirror. And I only learned um, by looking back on the experience. And so what I hope is that actually by pulling all these women's experiences together and proving through all of the research and the scientific studies that I looked at, there are so many ways that you actually are better in your job after having a baby and after having been home with a baby even even if you're back at work, before you feel physically and emotionally ready to be there. And if we can internalize those things and we can broadcast them in our workplaces and to our colleagues, we actually will change American culture around New Parenthood. I am convinced of it. So here they are. You hear a lot of women say that they are more efficient coming back um, to work after having had a baby. That is absolutely true. You have an end cap to your day. You probably, I mean, this is, you know, assuming kind of a typical desk job, but, but, you know, you have, you have a limit to the number of hours you can give to your work. Um, In most cases, you have to go home and, or pick up a baby at daycare or go home to a baby who's waiting for you and your day ends in a way that it never did before. So, yes, a lot of women like to say they're more efficient. But when you look at why you're efficient, I think it's even more empowering. So, what it is actually that makes you, Able to end your day but still get your job done, um, you know, using less hours than you did before. It's because if you have been home with a baby on maternity leave, no matter how short, that baby has been the most drill sergeant like boss you will ever have and has not allowed you to have transition time between tasks. Baby needs one thing, okay. Baby needs another thing, okay. (laughs) Like all you're trying to do is keep baby from crying and maybe take care of yourself too. So that translates directly when you come back to work because you no longer need all of the transition time and pivoting time and taking a breath time between tasks. You're really good at moving from one thing to the next. So what that does is it compresses your day and you actually do get just as much done in less time. That is one thing um, another another thing that women like to talk about um, and this is also true, so women like to say, "I'm better at saying no after having a baby, and that is absolutely true because you have done the negotiation in your mind and you have figured out like you know I'm gonna say no to this thing because it doesn't add value to uh, my employer, my job, my larger career, my family life, my happiness so it, it's very easy to say no to things, but what I actually tell women suggest that women internalize is the idea also that your yeses mean more than they did before so if you have the option of going for a promotion or even just something as simple as saying yes to you know meeting some colleagues for a drink before going home you've done, you've done the, the negotiation in your mind. You've done kind of the mental math around what am I going to have to steal from and take away from in order to say yes to this? So by the time you say yes to something, that's a real yes. That is a, a more meaningful yes than you probably have given previously before you had a child. So it's, it's important to realize that too. Then the other thing I say is that coming back Please know that, yes, if you want to move up the ladder and you happen to be the like 1% of women who in this moment feel really ambitious, go for it. Lean in and I will tell you all the ways in this book how to change policies from within your workplace. However, for the other 99% of us, including me, and I'm a pretty ambitious person, but I did not feel it in that moment, I will tell you, it is absolutely world-changing to come back and just put one foot in front of the other and be open and honest about your motherhood in the workplace. That changes culture too. And it has real impact. And it's not just that it impacts your colleagues and the people around you and your greater industry and even your, your country as a whole. It also gives you a new sense of purpose, which is something that I heard from a lot of moms they really, really craved in this moment. You know, they are leaving their babies perhaps before they're ready to, and they want to find new meaning in their work. And yet it's the same old job. And you might feel a little funny because people have covered for you and you feel like you have ground to make up. Well, the one thing that you're doing that is really new and positive is that you're bringing your motherhood to the workplace and you are helping transform the culture around you and And believe that that's a good thing. So that's a long look in the mirror, but it is one that is well worth taking.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> hey. go, go get them, tigers. You got it, mom. <laughs> you can do this. So, okay, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Lauren, in the book, you share that you experienced postpartum mood disorder with your first son and you weren't diagnosed. Yeah. And I'm curious, did you experience it also with your second child? No,
2: it was totally different. So the, the backstory, the, the sort of ha-ha in retrospect backstory is that my husband is a psychiatrist. <laughs> and, and he was in his training. He was in his his very first year of residency, like started the week after we had Will. And he was in, uh, by the time we had Teddy, my second son, he was finishing his last year of residency. Um, and obviously, you know, his his knowledge grew. But I remember, you know, saying to him, am I supposed to be crying every day? This is horrible. This is, I love this baby, but like I hate myself. And, you know, and and he really did just think it was the baby blues. And a lot has changed around the stigma of um, new parenthood and the emotional struggles that a lot of women have. What I had was not... um, was not sadness, was not wanting to hurt the baby. It was really anxiety. And I had a lot of intrusive thoughts that I, I have to, I have to give my husband credit. The reason he didn't know that I had a problem was because I did not tell him what was happening in my head. And so I found it incredibly reassuring. I mean, to the point of crying, as I was talking to this expert on the phone, seven years later, when I learned that these intrusive thoughts are not actually about, um, Uh, feeling violent toward the baby. You know, I would imagine I was, you know, walking across the street with a stroller and that, you know, a bus would flatten the stroller. And, you know, I would just imagine these like horrible, violent things Mm -hmm. happening to my child. Well, it turns out that the part of the brain that actually, um, I'm going to really botch the science of it, but the way it was explained to me is that the part of the brain that lights up in those moments is not the violent part. It's the protective part. It's that you have an overly active imagination and you are trying to imagine the worst case scenario so that you are prepared should it ever happen. Hearing that was incredibly reassuring to me even all those years later. Anyway, but to answer your question, so I did have a very hard time after Will. Um, and yet I, I eventually, like it took, you know, a few months and actually getting back to work kind of helped me get into more of a rhythm with my days that I found very helpful. Um but for Teddy, I actually saw a psychiatrist um, for about, actually not, not even that long before I had him, but I started getting really worried at the end of my pregnancy that it was going to happen again. And now I had two children, you know, I was responsible for. Um, and I wanted to be on top of it. So I saw someone and had a couple sessions before I had him, had a few sessions um, with him in arms that were actually really kind of nice outings after I had him. And after a few weeks, she looked at me and she was like, you're really fine. Do you think you're fine? I was like, yeah. She goes, are you finding the joy? I was like, hi, it feels so much joy. And it was just a totally different experience the second time around. Um, I think every baby is different. Obviously the circumstances were different. Um, but more than anything, I think that my expectations were just so much more realistic about what it was going to be like that I didn't kind of slide down that slippery slope as quickly.
0: I have also found with my second that, I'm someone who needs people around and having my four and a half year old around all the time, singing and dancing and, you know, (laughs) just being a huge pain in the ass. Like (laughs) it's like such a great distraction. Yeah. Um, And it
2: also lets you see what you're, what you're going through. Like the really hard part for is you're going to get to the other side of it with this joyous little child.
0: Yeah. It's not so quiet and there's not as much room when you have the other child, there's not as much room uh, to have all of those ruminating thoughts, you know, it's when I'm by myself all day that I get in trouble. I'm the same. But I think that is also very encouraging news that it might not happen this second time. You know, each child is different. And, you know, if you have a fussy baby, just even the past day of Eliza crying more, uh, trying out this new caregiver, it's like – oh, I'm so much more anxious, right? It's like of we course. forget how much the crying can affect us. What yeah. advice do you have for mothers who are experiencing postpartum while heading back to work?
2: It's really, really tough. So I actually talked to a... um an employment lawyer um, for this section of the book, because I really wanted to know if you have already taken your 12 weeks of FMLA that you're allowed. This is, of course, assuming that you are one of the 56% of American workers who even qualify for FMLA, but we can talk about that too. Um, You know, what do you do if you get back to work and part of what is triggering for you is being back there? Or if you've only started to kind of slip into it um, as you head back, or if, you know, we hear that that post part of mood disorders can happen, you know, as long as, you know, seven or eight months after having a baby, what if it happens then? Well, there are actually, um, there are accommodations that can be made. Um, you are um, covered by the Americans with Disabilities Act and you are actually, your employer is obligated if you come to them with this with this problem is obligated to engage in conversation with you and work toward a resolution and they are required to accommodate you to the point that you would be able to recover and come back so the end goal is your coming back and it doesn't have to be necessarily so black and white of I can work, I can't work. It might actually be a much more kind of dialogue conversation of, well, you know, mornings are particularly stressful. And so maybe you need to get in at 11 a.m. instead, or perhaps it is phasing back into work, um, which is something that is culturally much more normal um, in other countries that are more supportable. Well, every other country is more supportive of New Parenthood. But in Europe, there are um, a number of industries and, and actually, whole cultures that, um, support sort of phasing back into work. And it has been shown to support the economy and to really, really affect retention. Um, and there are, um, I've actually spoken at a couple of places. I do corporate talks and I've spoken at um, a law firm recently that offered this benefit where they let people choose whether or not they wanted to come back immediately full-time or come back part-time. Um, obviously the best situation is if they can also be paid their full-time salary for that part-time work for just a limited amount of time. um, But if you just feel kind of in between, like I did at that point, um, you know, I wasn't diagnosed. I just didn't feel right. I think so much of it is about protecting um, what very little time you do have to yourself and finding it in the kind of crevices of your day. Um, A lot of women talked about being able to use their commutes for self-care, which sounds like my commute is like generally like, you know, holding on under somebody's sweaty armpit on the the subway. (laughs) So the idea that there's self-care happening there was a little hard for me to swallow. And yet actually it, it could, um, you know, I could be listening to a podcast, um, you know, where even just the first couple of notes of the music that leads in, you know, would sort of like wash over me and, and, you know, make me feel a little better. I could have a snack that is, you know, something that soothes one of my senses. My, you know, that that would that would help me
0: feel better. I'm really into hand lotion right now.
2: <laughs> I'm so glad you said that. Like no joke. I so one of the pieces of advice that a psychiatrist and maternal mental health expert gave to me is the way you make your brain feel better is you soothe one of your senses, and that might be a scented hand cream. And I swear to God, I go in. He's like. <laughs> Fancy, fancy tech companies and law firms, and I talk to them, and I'm like, "Look, guys, I'm just going to be the lady who stands up here and tells you to use a nice
0: lotion." Did you say that in the book? And I just don't remember it because that's there. (laughs) Okay, well then maybe that's where I got it. No, I mean I got it from a mother gave me this hand lotion. I have it on my bed, and it smells so good, and it really helps. And that is so funny that it's also okay.
2: I have come to realize that it is not just that it smells good; it's that you have that very self aware feeling of, "Hey." I had my act together. I had my lotion with me. Mm-hmm. I tended to my needs. And like, mm-hmm. nothing makes you feel better than knowing that you actually took care of yourself. So it's not just the care. It's the knowing that you took the care that really, really counts. Oh, um, another thing you can do if you can is, my God, like if you can fit any kind of exercise in on your commute, that is something that just makes you feel so good.
0: All I need is my heart. Beating a little faster, and suddenly it feels like I can do anything. It is so important to move. Like, sometimes if you, moms, be weirdos, like just do some jumping jacks in your office. Like, it can seriously help. It's that whole idea of like, you know, mind body alter your physical state, and you can change the way your brain uh, is working. Do you want to
2: hear a really, actually a really cool example of that? Yeah. That, is, that is for moms who might have slightly older kids. Both of my kids got started getting incredibly car sick when they were eighteen months old, and we tried everything and essentially now eventually just ordered, ordered like bulk quantities of vomit bags. Um, but, but my son was listening to another podcast, a science podcast, my nine-year-old that explained that actually it's about a disconnect between your brain and your body and your brain sees that you're in motion, but your body doesn't feel in motion. So one way to deal with car sickness with little kids is to tell them to kick their legs and it'll trick their brains into thinking that they are moving forward, like of their own volition.
0: Isn't gonna, that cool? That is brilliant. I'm going to use that in the car. I'm uh, my daughter <laughs> does throw up on the plane, but I won't use it on the plane because oh. of the car, the seat in front of her. It's yeah, Maybe hard. her
2: legs are short. Maybe it's fine. But maybe her <laughs> little
0: arms could go up and down. <laughs> yes,
2: yes, yes. That's, That's brilliant. brilliant. It up and walk in the aisle.
0: So, so I started laughing when you said that you went to a law firm because one of my questions for you uh, actually relates to my own mother, who had me and then went back to law school and then she became a lawyer and. She's like a crazy workaholic, and um, at her law firm, they have a real retention problem. What can moms say um, to open their employers' eyes that it's worth it for companies not to lose mamas, that it's important for them to uh, be a little more flexible uh, because they're going to lose so much money when we head out the door?
2: (laughs) So I mean, you know, lawyers, like a lot of us are very driven by data. So there, and there is a lot, there's actually a lot available on my website that can kind of help you make a case for, for this, for about, about the, the, the increase in retention when you support new moms coming back to work. Um, but a lot of the, a lot of the places that I've been actually do offer really pretty, um, I've stopped calling it good and generous because it is not relative to the rest of the world, but they offer humane parental leave. Um, Some of them offer, you know, as much as five or six months of paid leave. And so what happens is that, you know, they think they've checked that box and, and they like good for them for, for having that. That is great, 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 great. However, if you're in a particularly competitive field, which you probably are, if you're in an industry that can afford to give you that kind of, of paid leave, um, you're coming back to a place that has moved a mile a minute you are expected to come back and be quite grateful for all of the time that you had at home with your baby. When in fact, you know, you and I both know it is, it is not a vacation, (laughs) like it is hard work. And, and if you are as, you know, professionally minded as I imagine you are, then you've probably also kind of really made the most of that time and and not, not taken so many naps probably. Um, But so a lot of it is about tending to um, the period when women first come back. So I mentioned earlier, the phase back program that, that, that is, Just, you know, has been shown time and again to be incredibly financially beneficial. Something else that really, um, really gets at the heart of it is having um, equal paid leave and equal transition time back for new dads as well. Um, There are a thousand reasons why that is incredibly effective, but it is the thing that really branches the problem from um, home to work and back again, which is that when Mom has a longer time at home with baby on parental leave than dad does. Mom learns everything on, you know, on the job. And then when mom goes back to work, mom and dad get home at the end of the day and mom is the only one who knows how to do all the baby stuff. Or she's really tied to having it done her way and doesn't want to let her partner help in spite of the fact that probably they both imagined having, you know, shared shared parenting style Um, it's kind of nobody's fault it's a greater cultural problem but it can be really really pretty quickly remedied by the men in leadership at a company taking full paternity leave And also, by the way, if they're past the paternity leave stage, saying, hey, I'm leaving to go coach my daughter's softball game at 4.30s on every Wednesday, being really open about um, their parenthood in the workplace ultimately trickles down, not just to the employees underneath them who have children, but it sends a message to everyone that a personal life is important and it can fuel you in the workplace no matter what kind of work you do. And that, you know, this is not just a problem of... You know, this this is not a uterus problem. This is not a problem having like a big visible personal life need, which is a belly in front of you that is carrying a baby. It is about the fact that everyone everyone has a personal life, whether you have a baby or not. And so, if you can take the gender out of it, you can even take the motherhood out of it, the parenthood out of it, and just make it about being whole, real people in the workplace. That is that is the most effective um, that is the most effective change any workplace can make.
0: If a, if a lawyer took. Paternity leave. I have a Mm -hmm. feeling. I mean, watch, I'll get sued by my parents law firm. (laughs) Um, that, you know, I don't know if their culture, like, if their work culture is up for that yet. Like, there would be resistance. And I, Let's, okay, let's take my family out of it and their yeah, law, law firm. firm, any law yeah. firm. Let's, let's <laughs> yeah. go somewhere else. We're in yeah. San Francisco now. Um, and there's a law firm. Like I could imagine some of these lawyers being like, what do you mean he's taking paternity leave? Like yeah. that it becomes yeah. this emasculating thing. How does a dad go up against that?
2: I think he makes his work all about his deliverables and there is an enormous case to be made for, you know, when, when men, when men do do this, when they make that leap, they ultimately support their female colleagues. And there is not a law firm in America that doesn't have, well, I don't know, maybe there's one. <laughs> but every law firm I know of has a problem with retaining women. So if a dad wants to take paternity leave and can make a case for how that ultimately is going to impact the culture of women in that workplace, I think that's a really strong case to be made. And like I said, I mean, it really, so often these cases boil down to, um, to data and to numbers and to showing that, you know, by retaining women, you're ultimately going to save money. Um, And, you know, a man can make that case just as easily about the women around him as a woman can make that case about the women around her.
0: Awesome. So I know I have a lot of mom listeners who end up quitting their jobs. Yeah. It seems to happen. And you can tell me you know, the, the stats, but for our listeners, it seems like it's after they have their second child yeah, and then they're just sort of like, they just have such a lower tolerance for bullshit. Yes, that's true. <laughs> So w- what advice uh, do you have for us there? Like yeah. let's say a mom's going back and she's a couple months in and she's just like, Oh, the slog of it, you know, give yeah. us that pep talk because I really appreciated uh, this quote that you have. Um, let me pull it up. It's um
2: <laughs> Here, while you're looking, I'll tell you the yeah. stat. So 30% of new mothers drop out of the workforce within a year, of professional new mothers, I should say, within a year of having had a baby. Um I don't I don't know on the tip of my tongue what the what the rate is after the second child, but yes, anecdotally, I think particularly for the mothers who are um a little more economically stable, um There's definitely a pattern, and there's obviously, you know, this is exacerbated in both good ways and bad ways by our kind of new gig economy and by the fact that women are um, opening their own businesses at five times the rate of men. There's there's a real movement toward um, women leaving the workplace because they're not getting what they need in a traditional workplace, but the financial burden that it puts on families and women to start their own businesses, um, their own side gigs, or whatever it is, is tremendous, and it's not not always beneficial to the greater economy. And the reality is that, you know, most there's 25% of new American moms are back at work after two weeks because that's all they can afford to be away from their jobs for and their paychecks for. So for most, most women are not able to, to quit and leave their jobs. Um, and so a lot of the advice that I offer in the book, um, is about how to, how to get through that feeling of, oh God, I have to quit when you know that you kind of can't or that you've really invested a lot in yourself over the years. And you wonder if maybe you wait a little longer, if it's going to be okay.
0: I, I, I'm so glad that you said that about, you know, that economically, like it's not, I don't know. I just look on Pinterest and stuff and it's all about how we can do our own startups. And I don't think people are sharing openly that it is a financial burden.
2: What I wish, what I wish is that, is that, uh, you know, and believe me, I am my own small business owner. Like I'm, I am in it and it is hard and it's expensive and I I believe in it and I want to make it work. But I do, I think that a lot of women could take that, that similar drive that they have to find meaning and creativity and purpose in their work and, um, and to be their own boss and actually bring some of that, um, uh, bring some of that entrepreneurial feel to back to their traditional workplace and help that traditional workplace evolve. I think that would be in many ways, you know, just as beneficial to our economy as women starting their own businesses.
0: Yeah. And you write that speaking of moving upward, a lot of what you get out of not quitting is that several <laughs> years from now, you won't be an at-home mom who quit. Blunt, yeah. but there it is. And I will say to listeners, that is definitely the most blunt moment in this book. And oh, and you're very yeah. supportive of all you know, any choice a mom makes. But that is something that we need to consider. You know, what's the long term effect of walking away? Because yeah. I was reading in the New York Times last night about oh, the yeah. The, pay the Claire can- Kane
2: Miller story. Yeah, it's amazing.
0: So will you share that with our listeners? Because you'll be able to say it in a better way than me. But I was like, oh, crap, yeah. there's such. So, yeah, go on.
2: So this is um, the reporter is Claire Kane Miller, who who has really made this her beat and is actually a new mom herself. And is is pretty awesome. Um, I want to get it right, too. I don't have it right in front of me. But essentially, you know, we know that there's a pay gap. We know that the pay gap for women is, you know, largely driven by what is also called the motherhood penalty. And, um, you know, one, one way that that bears out and is proven is that you are much less likely to suffer from a large pay gap if you have your kids before 25 or after 35. Um, you know, either because you simply haven't launched your career yet. And so you don't have that much invested to lose, um, and you can start your career after the kids or because you've waited until you're far enough along that you have real agency in your workplace, um, that allows you to take some, you know, um, uh, take some license that you might not otherwise, or to actually, you know, have the authority and position of power to change policies from within your workplace. If you're if you're having kids on the older side, but of course, the reality is is that most of us are having our children between the ages of 25 and 35, and if you are having a baby before 25, you probably, you just aren't that far along in your career yet. So you don't have that much to lose yet. And you can jump back in after baby. If you're having a baby after 35, you're protected by the fact that you're probably pretty far along in your career and you have some agency in the position that you've risen up to. And you might even be able to make, you know, you have a little leeway perhaps, but also inflexibility, but you probably also have some authority to maybe change policies to benefit the other women in your workplace. But most of us are having our babies between 25 and 35. And that is the decade that is most impacted by the motherhood penalty and by the pay gap.
0: And it just really reinforced to me last night. I got all jazzed because because you talk in this book about like, go back to why you why you have this job. Like, what does it give you? What meaning does it give you? Does this career give you? Like looking at it long-term, not just the day-to-day, because you've got to think to the future when the kids are in school. And it it made me think, this is getting really meta again, fifth trimester (laughs) mom talking about the fifth trimester, but made me think about this podcast and like the meaning it gives to me. And reading that Last night, I was like, Oh my God, this conversation is so important. And you are leading this conversation. Oh,
2: thank you. And you are time flies, you know? I mean, you have to imagine what life is going to be like when your youngest child is in kindergarten, which is not as far away as you think. And, um, you know, sometimes the only way to stay in is to stay in. But I will say I have really, really learned to redefine what work is. I used to think it was butt in chair at an office. Like it is <laughs> so many more things than that. And, and I'm living that life now too. Um, but you know, we all as women and as mothers, we all work. Some of us just get paid for it and some of us don't. And we have to model for our children, the kind of ambition and the kind of purpose in life that, you know, we hope that they will have one day. And I find that really, really helpful when I have to make a decision prioritizing work one day or even one week or even a whole month, um, you know, to know that my kids are now old enough and they're not that old, but they're old enough to understand why I do the work that I do because I tell them, you know, I say I say to be open about your motherhood in the workplace, well, be open about your career in the home too. Really explain what you do to your children And, you know, and don't be shy about telling them what you find valuable about working and a paycheck counts because a paycheck pays for a lot of the things that make their life easier and more comfortable. But you can also say, I'm also really proud to be able to meet someone new. And when they say, hey, what do you do? I get to tell them this thing that I do. That's part of my identity. I I think we I think we want that for our children one day, too. And I'm, I'm reassured by that daily.
0: Well, Lauren Smith Brody, you are a national treasure to mamas. Oh my God, <laughs> I've you. never said that before, uh, but you are because you give all of us, even mamas who, you know, you're like, I am not going to go back to work uh, after I have my child. Like this book is still for you. There's so much yeah. great advice. Um We didn't get a chance to talk about it, but I really, really love the 60 second get out of the house beauty routine. Oh, yeah. We don't talk about concealer and how you're supposed to like pat it, not rub it enough. The
2: ring finger, the ring finger. (laughs) Yeah,
0: I I need to work on my technique. Maybe I'll do some YouTube videos tonight. Um, (laughs) But I really appreciate everything you have in this book. Also, you talk about the daycare tour or the nanny interview, like all of these tools and these things that – People don't talk about because we're so focused on the baby or our pregnancy. But then all of a sudden, there's like a million logistics to figure out. And you yeah. help us uh, through your own experience and also all the mothers that you reached out to for this book. So thank you so much for all of your time today, Lauren. And uh, thank you for making the world more aware of this very delicate stage Mm -hmm. of motherhood.
2: Right back at you. Thank you for the work that you do supporting new moms. It's really, it's felt. Thank Uh you so much.
0: Thank you. Okay, listeners, until next week, trust in your goodness, live out your greatness, rock on Atomic Moms.